Since time immemorial, the Green Lantern Corps has served as the keepers of peace, order, and justice throughout the universe. To be chosen to join its ranks is the highest of honors and the greatest of responsibilities. Yeah. Yeah, that part I heard about. Hello, movie lovers. Welcome to the Does It Hold Up podcast, the podcast where we talk about some of your favorite movies of all time and some you may not like to decide if they hold up to today's standards. I'm Adam. And I'm Emily. And this week we're going over Green Lantern from 2011. This is why normally I just say we're going to go over some of your favorite movies of all time. But I had to add that a little extra bit in because this is no one's favorite movie. No. (laughs) I don't even know anybody who really likes this movie. But I do. I liked the movie a little when it came out. I watched it like six months after it came out. And I was like, eh, this is okay, I guess. I never really was the the hater of this movie. I understand that parts of it are bad. But I never understood like the complete distaste and detest for this movie. I honestly think I went bandwagon on it. Because I remember not absolutely hating it when it originally came out. But I've just kind of gone along with the jokes of, oh, this is the worst movie ever made. Okay, so let's talk about that. Is that a thing? Because I don't remember it being the worst movie ever made when it came out in 2011. I remember people being like, it's not the best. But there was some stuff I liked about it. It was interesting to see a DC Green Lantern doing his thing. People didn't really despise it as much as I would say they do today. Is that something that just happened over time? Yeah, I honestly could not tell you when that started, because I don't remember it being the instant it came out. Yeah, it just like, over the years, people started saying, I hate that movie. And like you, other people would jump on that and be like, oh, it's the worst movie ever. And then all of a sudden, it just became like, considered the worst superhero movie of all time, even though that's not what it was when it came out. I don't even know if it still is. The worst superhero movie of all time? Yeah. I don't know what the worst movie of all time comic book is yeah there's there's some front runners there yeah yeah daredevil with ben affleck shut you shut your mouth never i love that movie x-men the last stand shut your mouth blade trinity uh shut your mouth (laughs) (laughs) dark phoenix apocalypse all those movies i somewhat like not so much thor love and thunder i don't know yeah all right, I'm going to have to deep dive into this after the pod. Because then you got like Morbius out. and stuff like that, so. Listen, Morbius is a riotous time, okay? <laughs> Only for one reason. One of the funniest movies I've ever watched in my entire life. It's not meant to be. I don't care. <laughs> I loved it. Basically because Matt Smith is amazing in He's that He's a movie. treasure. Yeah. Best Doctor Who ever. No. Absolutely. Who? David Tennant. It, no. Yes. He's a great actor. And he has a much better career than almost every other doctor. But he was not the <laughs> best, best doctor. doctor. Yes, best yeah. doctor ever. We're going to fight about this. Yep. I, we might have to do Doctor Who's got a movie, right? I think they made at least one. I do believe so, yes. We're going to have to cover it just so we can argue who the best doctor is. That would be really struggle since I have not watched all the doctors. Oh, well, that's embarrassing for you. I know. I came in on the second wave of Doctor Who. Oh, you never went back and watched the old ones? No, I never Mm. got around to it. I haven't watched some of the newer ones. Like, they just had a female doctor. Yeah. I didn't watch that. I didn't watch that one either. I stopped somewhere in between, like, Dave, uh, Peter Capaldi's. Oh, he's up there as one of the best doctors of all time. Yeah. Okay. Tangent over. (laughs) (laughs) I don't even know if it's over. It might return. Do we need American (laughs) doctor at some point? Could be. That would be kind of cool, right? Um... 
Doctor Who gave us a lot of good actors, too. Okay. A lot of good actors came from Doctor <laughs> Who who are, like, big stars now. And yeah. it's kind of amazing Yeah, when you think about that show. Especially yeah. with the hiatus that that show had. And then came back just as strong. Incre- if not stronger. Yeah. I could argue that the new Who's are stronger than the old Who's. That would be an interesting uh, argument right. there. So Green Lantern came out June 17th, 2011. Like, peak of summer blockbuster season. They thought this was going to be the movie to launch their entire universe on. I wouldn't be surprised if they thought that. Green Lantern was a huge hero for them. Oh, no, no, they did. That's what I'm saying. That wasn't a question. They thought this was going to be the movie to launch them into competing with Marvel. And it didn't. It didn't at all. So everybody always talks about how this is one of the biggest failures of all time. Just money just poured into it and just completely ruined Mm -hmm. so i want to go over box office first because then i have just a little bit extra box office stuff cool okay all right so the budget for this movie was 200 million dollars stupid amount of money like never spend that much money to make a movie (laughs) ever domestically it took in 116.6 million internationally another another 103 million for a worldwide total of 219.6 million dollars in 2011 it was ranked 23rd it just barely beat The King's Speech. Oh, Now, that's an that Oscar-winning movie, and, like, it's very loved, but that is a very niche movie made for cinephiles, not the general public, and it still just barely beat it. Once again, shut your mouth. King's Speech <laughs> is amazing. It is. But again, it wasn't. It was never meant to do $100 million. True. It was meant to do, like, $40 million and win an Oscar. It got crushed by movies like... Horrible Bosses, which made 117.5 million, mm-hmm. and The Smurfs, <laughs> which made 142.6 million dollars. How did the Smurfs make that much money? I don't know. I've never gotten into the Smurf craze. I did when I was a kid, but this movie, I just weird. It's weird that the Smurfs absolutely dominated Green Lantern. Never in a million years would that sentence come out of my mouth. Adjusted for inflation, it's $154.8 million in 2022, and it would have ranked outside the top 10 at number 12, below Black Adam. Wow. Which one would you rather watch again? Green Lantern or Black Adam? Mm, Green Lantern, simply because I'm not the biggest Dwayne The Rock Johnson fan. Well, because he sucks. He's not a great actor, so He's the terrible. fact that the movie hinges on him, yeah. Maybe DC should stop making movies with a color in the title. Black Adam was a failure. <laughs> Green Lantern was a failure. Just stop doing it. All right. Here's my little extra thing that I did. So everybody talks about how much money this movie lost, how much of a failure it was for DC. I wanted to see approximately how much money this movie lost for them. So if we look at a total $200 million spent on the movie, just to make the movie, this is not marketing or anything, just to make the movie. Internationally, it would have brought in net profit internationally. About $41.2 million because it only brings in about 40% of sales tickets internationally. Mm-hmm. That's how much it gets to keep. So $41.2 million. The first week of a movie's release, it gets to keep about 60%. So it made $42.6 million domestically in its first week. Second week, only 55% gets kept. So that was $13.6 million. Week three and beyond, it only keeps about 50% of ticket sales. So that was another $10.4 million. All of those numbers added up means its total net from the theatrical release was $107.9 million from ticket sales. 
That is a $92.1 million loss just from the budget of making the movie. Mm-hmm. Most movies have another $100 million spent on marketing, and this movie was marketed everywhere at the time. I wouldn't be surprised that? if that was more than $100 million spent. But if you just add that $100 million, that means this movie lost $192.1 million when you just factor in ticket sales. Now, I'm sure they made up some of that money in, like, toy sales and video purchases, like, home video purchases. Yeah. But you're never going to make up nearly $200 million in that market. Yeah, no. That's insane. See, now, I'd be interested to see that against, like, The Flash, which is a new failure for them. I can actually tell you that. The Flash lost approximately, now, again, we're not talking home video releases or toy tie-ins and all that stuff. About $204 million from ticket sales. So the the Green Lantern is not the worst. Green Lantern is not the biggest loser for DC. Yay. (laughs) Small victories. Small victories. (laughs) So I just thought that would be interesting because that's like one of the things people always talk about with this movie is how much of a box office failure it was. And I wanted to take a look at what the numbers actually said. Thoughts? I did not remember it being that big of a failure. Once again, you know, this is a blip on my radar of a movie, especially around that time of my life. So, yeah, I don't remember it being that much of a failure. Okay, that's fair. It was. It was. Yeah, it it, it was. I just don't know quite why. Yeah, I don't know either. I, okay, so let's find out why. Yeah. What are the critics saying? The cinema score has it at a B. Solid B. The Rotten Tomato critics have it at a 25%, and the audience has at a 45%. Surprising. Not A really. little bit. Not at all. To have that much of a difference? Not at all. Really? It's a superhero thing. That's... Critics are always down on superhero movies, but the audience isn't. That's fair. The audience score for The Flash is higher than the critic score as well, so. Yeah, that's fair. Uh, the actual numbers for Rotten Tomatoes have it at a 4.6 for the critics out of 10. And the audience, a 6.2 out of 10. Wow. Okay. That's a lot different. But you know, there's only one person I'm interested in hearing from. The Ebert. Yeah, he gave it a two and a half. <gasps> you know what? He needs to do some work to get my love back. Because right <laughs> now, it's it's dropping fast. The quote I grabbed from him is, The bottom line, this is a comic book movie. Fans of the Green Lantern, in his intergalactic story mode and not his Earthbound TV series, will no doubt enjoy its visualizations and its references to details of the backstory that escaped me. Yeah. He honestly didn't hate it. He actually applauded the visuals, which is kind of funny. Yeah. Yeah. And I think he was more interested in the fact that it was made for 3D, even though he saw it in 2D. Ooh, I didn't know it was made in 3D. I mean, I assume everything back in that time was made in 3D because Avatar ruined 3D movies. Mm-hmm. But It was made for 3D. I don't like 3D movies. We've already talked about that numerous times on this pod. I don't either. So, makes sense I didn't watch it in that. But now I can see it. I can see that a lot of it makes more sense in 3D. Although, it's not running the the issue I have a lot with 3D around that time was that it was made for 3d where things would just jump out at you you can definitely tell there's certain movies that were made for 3d because they have like an arm that is shooting towards the camera because that's what's supposed to come out at you i didn't get that as much with this movie um are you sure not as egregious maybe i mean the fist that he hits the guys with 
comes right at the screen. The hot wheel construct he makes comes right at the screen. Maybe because that's a construct, all those were constructs and not like his physical form. It was different. I don't know. I don't, what would be the difference? It's still something coming at the screen. I don't know. There's other ones like. Do you think a guy's arm is really coming out of the screen at you? Totally. Okay, just checking. Because I (laughs) I would think that it being CG would more lend to it being 3D than like a guy punching at the camera. I don't know. There's just times that it's super egregious. And this one didn't seem like that to me. In fact, you didn't even know it was 3D. Well, yeah, but I don't pay attention to that crap because I don't care. That's fair. Like, I don't watch a movie and go, oh my god, that guy's arm sort of came at the camera, so this must have been made for 3D. (laughs) Like, that's not something I do, like you. So, I would have, I don't know. (laughs) Just a weirdo, I guess. And proud. (laughs) Yeah, okay. So, this movie was directed by Martin Campbell. Do you know that name? No. Nobody knows that name. But he's made some good movies, which is crazy to me. So, he made, he directed... 1995's GoldenEye, James Bond. 1998, The Mask of Zorro with Antonio Banderas, which is a great movie. 2000's Vertical Limit, not bad. 2005's The Legend of Zorro, not as good as the first, but not terrible. 2006, Casino Royale, Mm. one of like the best James Bond movies. 2010's Edge of Darkness with Mel Gibson, which is a really good movie. Then Green Lantern. And then he's really only made one good movie since, and that was 2017's The Foreigner with Jackie Chan. That's the only one out of them I've seen. And Green Lantern. Well, and Green Lantern, but... But yeah, like, this movie literally just derailed his career. He made terrible movie after terrible movie that nobody saw until 2017, and then he has made one movie since, which who cares? Well, he had his confidence shaken. Well, he should have. So, again, normally we don't talk about writers unless there's something interesting with the people who wrote the movie, and there is on this one. So, there were three credited writers on this movie. The first one was Greg Berlanti. Does that name ring a bell? No. Does it sound familiar at all? No. Hmm. Okay. So, he got his start writing television shows. Dawson's Creek, Everwood, Jack and Bobby, Young Americans, Eli Stone, No Ordinary Family, Brothers and Sisters. Those were the TV shows he worked on before he made Green Lan- He wrote Green Lantern. The lowest rated out of all of those on IMDb is Dawson's Creek at a 6.8. Which is sad because I know a lot of people love that show. Oh, it's really good, but also there's, a, there's some bad stuff in there. Like, <laughs> there's some episodes where you're like, skip. That's insane, though. Lowest rated out of those seven things is a 6.8. So he was making good television. Then he jumps to movies with Green Lantern. Failure. 2012's Wrath of the Titans. Huge failure. Yeah. Huge failure. So he immediately jumps back to TV with a miniseries, Political Animals, which has a 7.6 rating on IMDb. And then he goes on, and I know you know this, to create the entire Arrowverse. He creates Arrow, Stargirl, Supergirl, DC's Legends of Tomorrow, Titans, The Flash, and Superman and Lois. That's the entire Arrowverse. He creates the whole thing, and he's written for every single one of those shows, if not the pilot se- pilot episode, at least written for a season. So basically, he needs to make TV shows and TV shows only. Right? Because clearly he understands superheroes. People love the Arrowverse. Yeah. But he can only do it in TV form. Movies aren't his thing. You know what? You can have a TV universe and just let that be your universe. Which is fine. It's just crazy that he's such a good writer for TV, 
but can't transition a 45 minute show into an hour and a half movie. Like he can't take two episodes and just combine them together to give a good story. Once he gets over that hour mark, all hell breaks loose (laughs) and he just can't do it. So it's totally different animal. It's just crazy. I just was so blown away by that. I didn't know he wrote Green Lantern, but I'm like, Arrowverse is pretty good. Does it follow the comics exactly? No, but does it have to? No, it kind of created its own thing and it's good. That's why it's the Arrowverse. One of the other writers is Michael Green, who wrote some episodes of Smallville and Heroes, two superhero shows that are like widely regarded as very good. Mm -hmm. Then he writes Green Lantern, complete failure. But then he stays in movies. He doesn't jump back to TV like Berlanti did. He writes Logan, which he gets nominated for an Oscar for that, for adapted screenplay. He also writes Alien Covenant, Blade Runner 2049, Murder on the Orient Express, Jungle Cruise, Mm -hmm. Death on the Nile, and a movie that we checked out last week, A Haunting in Venice. Which, if you want to know our thoughts on that movie, subscribe to our YouTube channel by clicking the link in the description of this episode, and you can see our review about that movie. But he's clearly made some really good, written some really good movies since this. Weird. But also some not-so-great movies in there, so... Like Jungle Cruise and Death on the Nile. Everything else is pretty good. Alien Covenant isn't the worst. Blade Runner 2049 is amazing. Logan is amazing. Yeah. And the third writer is Mark Guggenheim, who basically just had his nose so far up Greg Berlanti's ass because every TV show he did before this movie was with Greg Berlanti. Mm -hmm. And everything he's done after pretty much has been with Greg Berlanti. Basically, he found a guy who's willing to like cross his T's and dot his I's for him. And he's just like, I'm going to pay you. So three good writers came together to write this. Why is it such a poor script? Because they're all TV writers. Well, not all, but like you have one massive TV writer. Then you have someone who has done TV uh, DC, but nothing else DC. Everything else has been very different. Very, yes. So. But like just weird, right? Like good writer, good writer, uh, good somebody. I don't know who (laughs) he is. It's just weird that they came together and couldn't put together a coherent story. Yeah. Maybe too many cooks in the kitchen. Especially when you look at, like, Michael Green gets nominated for an Oscar for Logan. So he clearly can understand how to take comic books and adapt them for the big screen. Yeah, but only if they're more serious. I guess. And Berlanti can clearly do superhero stuff in the Arrowverse. Yet together, they just couldn't figure it out. Yeah. Blows my mind. That's the reason I wanted to touch upon it, because of what they had done after and previous to this Mm -hmm. so weird yeah let's talk about this movie why in the hell do we get narration up top because they have a lot to dump they have so much exposition that they need to dump it on you from the get-go i hate it it's same i don't necessarily know if it's necessary or if it would have been better had we gotten that information more naturally throughout the story we do when hal gets the ring and he starts asking questions we basically get all the information that the narration up top told us. Yeah. I think there was a more natural way to do it, using Hal as our eyes into this new world instead of having an idea of the world before Hal gets involved. We should have started with Hal. That's what I'm saying. That's what happens. When he asks all the questions, we're getting the same information. Why did we need it in narration form? Yeah. It should have started day one with him doing his flight test. Should have just started him waking up, being late for the flight test, rushing to do it we understand who that character is off that scene Mm -hmm. and then when he gets the ring everything gets explained yeah 
this narration up top is just dumb. Because I also think starting with the narration is bad, but showing Abin Sur being attacked and thrown down to Earth is also not the place to start this movie. Yeah, it... Uh... I think starting it with Hal, and then we can show Abin Sur getting attacked later. Yeah. Starting with all that, I think it's just such a poor choice. I also don't know if you need him to get attacked. Well, he has, I, to, he has to die. Well, I know he has to die. I don't know if we need to see him get attacked. I think a, a clip of it, right? So, like, when Hal puts on the ring, maybe he gets a quick flash of what happened. Something like that. The transfer of the ring. like The, the uh, ring's memory The handing off it. Yeah. To, yeah. So that the ring is kind of showing him what happened and why he's been chosen. Because the ring does that later with him and... Parallax. Uh, no. Hammond? Hammond. Yeah. Hector. Yeah, so clearly the ring can do it. Yeah. So I think that was a better use of it. It's just a weird start. It would have been a quicker start, too. A more succinct start. Especially because this movie's two hours long, and I don't think it needs to be. A good, like, hour 45. There's, like, 20 minutes of this movie. 15, 20 minutes you can cut out. Yeah. What would have been interesting, too, is because he got that flash, he would have been the one to warn the Green Lanterns of it coming. Yeah. Rather than the Green Lanterns already knowing it's coming. And doing nothing about it. Makes a lot of sense. How easy was that? We literally just fixed the entire opening of the movie in, there in we two go. minutes. Here is where you can notice that it's 2011 CGI as well. When we're yeah. shooting through space and you're like, why are these terrible CGI marbles flying at me? So one note that I put is how terrible the CGI is when you have the three aliens finding. Oh, yeah. Uh, what's Parallax. it? Parallax. Parallax, sorry. And I literally put a note, is Mortal Kombat, the original Mortal Kombat CGI, almost better than this? No. Not even remotely close. (laughs) But this is basically a video game cutscene. Yeah. Like a modern video game cutscene is what this looks like. I also questioned, should this movie have just been animated? With Um, how much animation that they do in this movie? Yes and no, because right around the same time, we were getting like Green Lantern Emerald Knights, Mm -hmm. which is an animated film that is made up of short stories. So I think this would have just bogged down the whole DC animated world at the time. So I'm glad they kept it separate because the DC animated world is by far and away a thousand times better than any live action they've given us. Oh, yeah. So keep this crap as far away from the animated stuff as possible. I, I have to ask this question right now. So mm-hmm. we see Abin Sur get attacked by Parallax and he has to get away from him and he ends up on Earth and he sends the ring out. Exciting? I guess? I, they show this whole chase scene and him being attacked and it's supposed to be It literally something? takes like 30 seconds for him to get away. So I don't know if there was enough action there to really feel excited you also didn't get him really fighting parallax before he just dips right he like shoots like two rays two little fireballs at him and then just dips yeah and it's like i get it he's super powerful and you know you're not gonna win but isn't he the one who confined him in the first place before he was super powerful though it was when parallax was starting to become parallax he locked him away and now he's overpowered Right, because he's already destroyed a couple worlds. Okay. Correct. So, just weird. Um, Parallax is voiced by Clancy Brown. Very prolific actor, has voiced a couple different roles inside the DC animated universe as well. And 
Abin Sewer was voiced by Tamura Morrison. Still not ringing a bell? Nope. It will when I tell you who you know him as. Hmm. You know him from the Star Wars u- world mm-hmm. as Boba Fett from the Book of Boba Fett oh. and as Jango Fett from Clone Wars. Oh. Or Attack of the Clones, not Clone Wars. And he also is the voice of all the clones in yeah, the animated series yes. and stuff like that. Also, the new show, Ahsoka, he voices Commander Cody. Ah, yeah, makes sense. So, yeah, you know him. He was the voice of Abin Sur. And it's like, yeah, what a waste of him. A little bit, yeah. Like, what, did you need him to do the voice? You Why not? You could have had anybody. Why not? Cheaper. <laughs> <laughs> Don't spend $200 million on a movie to get actors that you're not actually going to see at all. Yeah. All right, so that's the opening of the movie. We jump to Hal Jordan waking up next to random woman number blank. Mm-hmm. Realizing he's late for a flight test. Rushing to get there. Hal Jordan is played by Ryan Reynolds. Yeah. Who you know from... Everything. All the Ryan Reynolds stuff. What do we think of him in this role? Ah, this is like Ryan Reynolds light. It's not quite him, but it's too much him to be anything else. I... <laughs> Good or bad? (laughs) I was just looking for a good or bad answer. (laughs) And you just went like real philosophical here. Like, it's Ryan Reynolds, but not totally Ryan Reynolds, but enough Ryan Reynolds to just be Ryan Reynolds. I don't know if you could have said Ryan Reynolds. He's very bland in this role for me. Really? Yeah. I think he's a little over over the top in this role. I th- maybe it's just the like the character is bland. I don't know. Okay. Every Hal Jordan I know has been voiced by Nathan Fillion, so I like the one that, that you know from the DC animated universe because it's the same Hal yes. Jordan. It's not like there's eighteen Hal Jordans all voiced by Nathan Fillion. Whenever he comes up <laughs> in the DC animated universe, that is who it is, and I expected that. Different Hal Jordan. I, I know they're the same Hal Jordan, but definitely written to be different. a very different character. Yeah. Plus, the Hal Jordan we get in the DC world has pretty much been Green Lantern for a while, mm. where we're seeing brand new Hal Jordan yeah. become Green Lantern. Maybe that's where the confusion comes in, or Could why be. it's a little different. I think Ryan Reynolds is good in this role. I think he makes a very good Hal Jordan. If he had a good script to back him up. Okay, that could definitely be the issue. Like if I'm casting Green Lantern live action, Ryan Reynolds is probably one of my top three choices. Probably number two right behind Nathan Fillion. Yeah. He just fits the prototypical Hal Jordan cocky pilot. He has that attitude about him. Mm -hmm. So I don't think it's his fault. It's definitely the script and the director. Because apparently him and the director got into fights like every day on set. Just (laughs) like screaming and arguing about every little thing. Aww. Because Bradley Cooper was the director's first choice to play Hal Jordan. Okay. That would have been terrible casting. Yeah. I'm going to call it right now. But that's who he wanted. The studio went and hired Ryan Reynolds behind his back and just said, we already hired him. That's what you're using. Wow. And so the director was already pissed and he took it out on Ryan, who didn't take kindly to it. And so they fought constantly. And I think that's where a lot of the problems come in in this movie. It's just all the the behind-the-scenes stuff is crazy and it shows on camera let me ask you this would you be willing to see another green lantern with ryan reynolds at the helm kind of like deadpool would you if he had more control over the project so oh you're talking about so when we first saw deadpool in x-men yes origins wolverine he was not deadpool yeah but then ryan reynolds kind of took over and said i'm gonna make real deadpool yes so you're asking me would i want to see ryan reynolds return his green lantern 
if somebody who knew Green Lantern was doing the movie. Yes. Yes. Okay. Again, I think he makes a good Hal Jordan. I think he fits the mold of what I would expect a Hal Jordan to be. And he'd be very good if the script and the director and everything about the movie was better. Fair. Because he's not the worst thing in this movie. Mm. Not by a mile. No. I honestly say that probably the script is. Here's one of the worst things about this movie. Hmm. When he gets to flight school, the person he's going to be flying with, Carol Ferris, played by Blake Lively, who is one of the worst things about this movie. She's awful. I don't know if it's entirely her fault. I don't think she was a character that was necessary. Again, it's hard to tell whose fault is whose because the script is just so poor. Oh, yeah. That it's like, maybe she would have been really good in this role with a better script. Because they but, do have some sort of chemistry. Like, I mean, obviously. Yeah, they obvi- they do get chemistry outside of the movie. <laughs> um, not as much as I was expecting to be shown inside the movie. But once again, hearing all that background talk kind of makes sense. So let me ask this. So this is the movie that Ryan Reynolds meets Blake Lively on. Mm -hmm. They go on to get married and have a couple kids. They've been married or they've been together now since this movie. Yeah. Do we think some of the problem with their character in the movie was as much as they're professional actors, you know, when you're like developing a crush on somebody and you get a little weird around them and everything's just a little awkward at first. Mm -hmm. You think that played a part in this? Mm, I think that would have almost made this better. Since they're ex-lovers in the movie. One time. One drunken night. Yeah. But clearly they've been close. They've known each other since they were kids. Yeah. So they shouldn't have an awkwardness though. They should be very, have great chemistry because they've known each other for so many years and they seem a little awkward. Mm -hmm. And I wonder if the outside world also complicated that a little. Could have. Because he's definitely super awkward. Like so we're we getting the new Green Lantern with both of those two coming back together. But now they have the chemistry that they've had for the past 12 years. And let's just do it. It's Green Lantern 2024, 13 years later. Same exact characters. Same exact storyline. Not the storyline, but same exact universe. Same everything. It's just a follow-up to this movie 13 years later. Legacy sequel. There you go. Bring everybody back except for Taika Waititi. And just don't do an animated uniform. Oh, God. Let's move on. <laughs> so we get them. They got to go fly some stuff. Then he goes to a birthday party. Who cares? Yeah. I guess when we when he's flying. So my biggest problem, I guess, with the flying is that all happens at the beginning. And I'm not sure why we need it. Because it doesn't add anything to the end of the movie. If he used that trick. So when he's flying, he, as an actual pilot, is going up against radio controlled fighters. You know, Mm -hmm. where they're like killing machines, they're perfect flight machines. Are they better than a human pilot? Yeah. So he goes like 50,000 feet up where his plane stalls out. Both of the other state-of-the-art planes stall out. And as they're crashing back to Earth, because he's a human, he can still kind of remain in control and he takes them out. Now, if he would have done something similar to Parallax... He does. He goes too far to a certain area where death is pretty much imminent and he wins that way. He throws him to the sun. No, he kind of guides him to the sun, but then the sun pulls him in. Exactly. It's not the same. Ah, it's a similar tactic. (sighs) My problem is, is I was really expecting the setup of him sacrificing his wingman to really come into play. And it just doesn't. Yeah. Don't set those kind of things up if you're not going to pay that off, him learning something in the future. Because... That That's showing how flawed he is as a character before he be- comes into his own as Green Lantern. 
So that whole scene was mainly there to show that he's afraid. I get, that's what I'm saying. I don't know what that scene accomplished when it yeah. doesn't play a bigger part in the rest of the movie. Yeah. So although total cheap uh, cop out with the flashbacks. Hate oh, that. Keep my jacket warm. Oh my god, the whole flashback to his dad oh. is some of the most unnecessary crap I've ever seen in a movie. The worst. What does it add to it, anything? It, it doesn't add anything to his character. It, it doesn't add anything to the story. It adds why he froze for some reason. But Although, that doesn't come into play later. It definitely makes me question how often he has random flashbacks because he has his p- dad's picture on his... All the time. On his stash. All the time. This dude literally <laughs> like, just eating breakfast and probably has flashbacks to his dad like why would you have that there if that's a possibility so dumb oh my gosh so dumb one fun part about this flight thing is carol ferris is his wingman Mm -hmm. that he sacrifices and her call sign is sapphire which is just a nod to the comics where she becomes the anti-hero villain hero switches between them star sapphire Hmm. which she has kind of the same powers as Green Lantern. She has the purple lantern, basically. Ah. And it's kind of cool. I honestly could not tell you what the lanterns are. I only know the main two. Oh, there's so, so many. There are. The best lantern? Hmm. Black. What's that one? Dead. <laughs> They're like zombies. They can bring... The, the black lantern can like bring people back They're to necromancy. life. They're <laughs> necromancy. Yeah, pretty much. It's awesome. Some of the best comics I've read in DC have revolved around the black lanterns. So cool. Alrighty then. So cool. Uh, Alright. He's gonna basically crash and burn at this point. He gets flashbacks. He saves it all. He goes to a birthday party for reasons. To, to meet sh- his family. Yeah, that never come up again just for him to have someone to care about, I is guess. It, is this movie just full of a bunch of scenes that don't make sense with the overall story they're telling? Yeah, it really feels like storytelling 101, too, where it's like, oh, he has family that he's not super close to, but that's because of his dad. It felt very predictable and very just meh. I've seen it done, and I've seen it done better. Facts. After he goes to his birthday party, this is when the ring finds him and brings him to Abin Sur, who's dying on a beach. Mm-hmm. And he tries to save him. I hate this scene. He has no reaction really to the fact that it's an alien. He just immediately goes into life-saving mode and it's like, it's an alien. He has like one minute of like, ooh, what the heck is that? Okay, gotta save him. But how are you going to save him? It's an alien. Yeah. You can't perform CPR. I mean, you could perform CPR on an alien, but it's an alien. Yeah, probably because it's so humanoid. He just assumes he can do all the same things. I guess. I don't know. Super weird. But he gets the ring and... Gets the lantern, because Abin Sewer's like, you've been chosen, you must become the lantern. And he has to figure out how to use it. Mm -hmm. When he does figure out how to use it, it freaks him out. Which, I guess it would freak everybody out. He doesn't know what to do about it. And eventually, he just gets sucked off to Oa. Yeah. So he can train to become a lantern, or at least get the lore of the lanterns. It was, yeah, to train at least. Well, at first they were going to take it away from him. No. They were like, you're not, you're not, you're not ready for this. You can't have this. No. The Abin only Sora one who's like that was poorly. Sinestro. I mean, the Guardians weren't exactly on board with a human having a they ring. They did absolutely nothing. They, they did the same exact look they do the entire movie. It's just, um, okay. Yeah, but they talk about how, like, we've never had a human before. Because yeah. humans aren't ready for this. Yeah. 
He he shouldn't have the ring is basically what's happened. I don't but know. he has the ring. The ring chose him, so mm-hmm. he has to be trained to be a lantern. Yeah. This is where we meet Tomar Ray, who's the fish mm-hmm. alien, who's voiced by Jeffrey Rush. Okay. None of these names are gonna ring a bell for you, huh? Uh, Until I tell you who you know them as. Probably not. Pirates of the Caribbean. Okay. Barbosa. Oh. Oh. He's the voice of Tomar Ray. I always thought Tomar Ray looked more like a, a chicken. He does look like a chicken, but they call him a fish because he has scales. Yeah, you're definitely more like a chicken, dude. He's a chicken fish. Chicken fish. <laughs> yeah. So he meets him and he's the one who tells him kind of everything about the lanterns. Mm-hmm. And then he's like, oh, and by the way, you have to go through like actual training now of how to fight and use your ring. And that's with Killwog, <laughs> who is like a boar pig type creature. Giant. Yeah. Boar pig. Massive. Massive, voiced by Michael Clark Duncan. That is a name that rings a bell, but I can't tell you why. Green Mile. Oh, really? Yeah, he's the prisoner in Green Mile. Really? Yeah, opposite Tom Hanks. That voice does not sound his. Oh, yeah. He's great. Love him. Sadly, he's no longer with us for many years now. I cannot reconcile those two voices. he's, He's amazing. Was in a ton of good stuff, and it was great when he was here. Yeah. So he has to train with him, but then he gets to meet Sinestro, who's going to also help train him and Uh not go easy on him. Yeah. Sinestro is voiced by Mark Strong. Not just voiced. He actually did the mocap. He's... Sure, but it's it's his voice. It's it's a CGI character. I can't say Mark Strong played the character. You can see Mark Strong in the movie. You can hear his voice. Can we just talk about the fact that Mark Strong is in a completely different movie than everyone else? He's in a drama. Yes! (laughs) What works so well for that, that's the comics. Yeah. Sinestro has always been very Shakespearean compared to everyone else around him. Honestly, he blows the socks off of everyone else in this movie acting wise. He's just fantastic in his role. And I'm like, I I need more of his Sinestro. Is Mark Strong the perfect casting for Sinestro? Probably, yes. I can't think of anybody better. No. He has that voice that just works. His movements, everything. He was really good in this. He definitely has that morally gray, like, I'm definitely going to go evil when I get a chance. Yeah. And, like, he brings out the toughness in his voice, the actual, like, emotion in his voice when necessary. Mm -hmm. But he's so reserved the whole time. He played it so well. So well. Love Mark Strong. So he gets to train with all the lanterns. Sinestro doesn't think he should have the ring. Everybody else is like, eh, whatever, who cares? Kind of convinces Hal that... I should not have this ring. Yeah. And Hal's like, okay, well, whatever. I quit. Yeah. But doesn't give the ring back. Well, how else was he supposed to get home? (laughs) They could have taken him home or something. But literally, like, five minutes later in the movie, he's talking to his friend. And is like, I'm no longer a hero. I I quit. Yeah. It's like, but you didn't give the ring back. So technically, you did not quit. Liar. You are still a lantern. Yeah. You should have, like, thrown the ring at Sinestro and been like, your problem now, bitch. I'm out. (laughs) But take me home, though. Yeah, but also, like, I need a ride. (laughs) (laughs) I know friends like that. You'll literally fight with them and be like, yeah, but you're my ride. Can you you still (laughs) take me home? So it works. So he does. He he basically quits, goes home, but still has the ring. And all of a sudden, this is when everything goes wrong. Because while he was doing all that, Hector Hammond, who is a professor Mm -hmm. at a college or somewhere, I assume a college. But also the son of a major weapons uh, creator. The the person who created the... So a senator. 
Oh, senator. Sorry. He's sorry. a senator. So I actually have this question, so we'll just get to it now. Yeah. Daddy Hammond, is. they say he's a senator because when his helicopter is crashing, they all freak out that the senator's helicopter is going down. Mm-hmm. But he also has an office at the school that his son teaches at. Is he like a dean too? Is he a senator and like a dean? Yeah, I never quite got that. Unless he says see him at his office and his office isn't even at the school. Just see him That'd at his weird. office. Go travel across the city and see your dad. Yeah, but to say office would just be weird if it wasn't in the same thing. Come to my office now. If it was just like, I need to see you get here now. Okay, that works. That's the same exact sentiment. But now I don't think he's part of the school. But to say come to my office definitely sounds like he's in that same building. What if they weren't sure if they wanted him to be a senator or the dean and just was like... Right, because the girl uh, screaming senator later is definitely just... Well, because he also was there for ADR. the weapons test. I know. So I don't get it. He's definitely a senator. He's everything. <gasps> he's everything. He's everything. It's just weird. And I just couldn't... <laughs> I can't, in my head, figure out who the hell he's supposed to be. So Hector Hammond, the professor, has been studying aliens his entire life. And he's a genius. For some reason. So the government comes to him and is like, we found this dead alien. Do the autopsy. Mm -hmm. So he does the autopsy and gets shocked by some of Parallax's power, which is the power of fear, Mm -hmm. compared to the Green Lanterns who have the power of will. Yeah. So he gets shocked by that and it basically mutates him to give him telepathy, mind reading abilities, all this stuff. Mm -hmm. And grow a giant freaking head. Yeah. The head looks awesome. Yeah. So when he gets the full big head, it's CGI. But as it's growing just a little bit, that's all actual prosthetics. It's the best CGI in the whole movie. His head. Yeah. By far and away, best CGI. It actually looks better as the CGI than the prosthetics. Absolutely. But he's going through a whole thing and his father hates him. He has a crush on Carol, who has a crush on Hal. Yep. So he's just that outcast. That perfect outcast who then gets superpowers and you know he's going to use them in all the wrong ways. Mm Mm-hmm. So he does. At a big party, he destroys helicopter blades of the helicopter that his father is in, and it starts to crash. And, and it, it starts to crash right on the party. Correct. And who comes to save the day? Green Lantern. Yay, Hal Jordan's here. And he makes a Hot Wheel thing that we definitely set up in the beginning of the movie at the birthday party. Okay, so the constructs, do they look good? I so think so. So he hits those guys with the big fist earlier. Looked pretty good. Yeah. The Hot Wheels thing looks pretty good. Yeah. Everything he created during the training looks okay. Everything he creates with his ring looks pretty good. Yeah. My problem is they're childish as hell. And That's they the first thing you think no of. And they make no sense. Yeah. I would not have thought of that with the plane coming down. I would have been like... Giant baseball glove. Yes, that's the exact thing that I thought. <laughs> well, because Hal Jordan uses a giant baseball glove all the time in the comics. Yeah. And in the cartoons and everything. It's a giant glove that he catches it and mm-hmm. then sets things down. Why did we need a race car track? It looked cooler. Did it, though? Took more time. It definitely took more time and almost crashed into people again. Super weird. But he does. He saves the day by turning in the helicopter into a giant hot wheel and racing it around a track and coming to a stop and saving the girl and saving the girl. And then he flies off. Yeah. We saved the day. We now have a superhero. Great. Then he tells his best friend, his best friends like, dude, you're a superhero. I got to see it. He's like, all right, I can show you shows him the 
awful CGI suit. Mm-hmm. Then he goes off to the girl because the best friend has the weirdest fucking line in this entire movie. <laughs> when after everything that happens and they're talking about how he's a superhero, randomly, the friend whose name is Tom, played by Taika Waititi, uh-huh. just says, don't the heroes get the girl? What does that have to do with Cut. anything you were just talking about? Cut to the girl. Yeah. Ooh, this yay. is how we combine those two scenes. Screenwriting. It was like 101. improv 101. How do we transition from this scene to this scene without it being awkward? Oh, just put a line of dialogue there that connects them. Awkward. Yeah. Stupid. It's a stupid line. I probably wouldn't even have noticed it, but you said something while we were watching it. And I was like, oh, yeah, you're right. That's it's so a, bad. It's a horrible line. <laughs> It's bothered me since the first time I watched this movie. So he goes to see the girl. I love her reaction here, though. Because he, like, flies up to her window, and he's like, ma'am. And he's trying to use a deep voice. Mm-hmm. He's like, ma'am. Miss. Are you good? I came to check on you to make sure you're okay. And she, like, gets close to him. And she's just like, hell? What the f- Hell? And he's like, how did you know it was me? What do you mean? I've known you my whole life. I've seen you naked. You don't think I would recognize you because I can't see your cheekbones? <laughs> Which brings me to my other question of- is that mask enough coverage or should just everybody know it's Hal Jordan? It, I think it's a little bit different because it changes his eyes too. So it makes his eyes super like almost white. They're and green. S- no. They're green. No. <laughs> Look at it. Watch it again. They're like white. They're I'll gray. I'll watch it again, but they're green. They're gray. Okay. So his brown eyes turn gray. So it might be a little different there, but... I don't know. I love her line though. Apparently it was ad-libbed by Blake Lively while filming and mm. it was perfect so they kept it in because like if you get that close to somebody it's not like Batman where half his face is covered it is literally a strip of green across his eyes hey still better than Clark Kent yeah but we've already discussed this I think before don't care. Clark Kent and Superman you can't tell they're the same because of the way he portrays Clark Kent Clark Kent is goofy nerdy uh a klutz Mm -hmm. he wears glasses he stutters and then superman is like the ideal man even if you think they slightly resemble each other you would never think they're the same person Mm. here green lantern acts just like hal jordan and he looks just like hal jordan of course it's hal jordan yeah you have animation across your face what are you You have animation across your face. Not in the world. In the world, he doesn't have animation. Yeah, he totally does. It's still animation. (laughs) Perfect. You can make it come and go as he pleases, so animation. Yeah. Um, I hate this. This whole lame-ass love story can go. It's so bad. I questioned if we even needed a romance, and we really did not. No. Never. so unnecessary. Never. Not one time. It wasted time. Also, she's supposed to be like the, in the comics, she owns Ferris Air, or like her father does at one point, and then she takes it over. Mm-hmm. She's not, she was a pilot, she's not a pilot. Making her a pilot is just weird here. Yeah. I don't I guess think to put necessary. Him on a, I guess to put him on an equal playing field. Dude, if she was the owner of the company, they don't need to be on an equal playing she's field. She's not the owner, she's the owner's if, kid. If she was the owner of the company, yeah. it would have worked better. All right. Would make sense why they're not together. I guess, There's yeah. so much flirtation between them, but they're not together, and it makes zero sense. They clearly both want to be with each other, but there's and there's nothing stopping it's them. because Hal Jordan sucks as a person. They both suck as a person. Yeah. She's terrible. I don't know. I don't know where to go from here, because the whole movie just falls apart now. <laughs> <laughs> so Hammond 
has these powers and he's connected to Parallax who can feel his power. So he's making his way to Earth. Mm -hmm. Hal Jordan has no idea, but the Green Lantern Corps does know, but refuse to do anything about it. Yeah, like they tried to go after Parallax at some point and failed miserably. Oh, he all of them. Except for Sinestro, who got away. They make the yellow ring to try and use that power. Use the power of fear yeah. against itself. At, and Hal's like, you know, no, 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 bad idea. Mm-mm. Um, I'm going to save my home world if that's okay. Yep. Cool. Or can you guys help me? No? All right. Peace. I'll do it myself. So then he has to fight Hector Hammond, who now has all the ability, and the government is going to autopsy him because they want to know what's going on. Mm-hmm. But instead, he kills all the guards, kills his father, and almost kills Amanda Waller. Yeah. Now, more fun stuff is his father, Hammond, who we've talked about a little bit, is played by Tim Robbins. Mm-hmm. Excellent actor. Um, Shawshank Redemption. He's the main guy in Shawshank Redemption. Okay. He's also the main guy in The Player. Two wonderful movies. If you've never seen him, watch them. And Amanda Waller is played by Angela Bassett, mm. who you know from things like Black Panther. Black Panther, who should have won an Oscar this year. Mm-hmm. Screw you, Jamie Lee Curtis. Just saying. Yeah, absolutely. We so, haven't even said who Hammond is yet. Oh my Hammond. God, I am so sorry. I am so sorry. Because Hector I, Hammond. I want to take the moment to praise him. I think he did a fantastic job as this middle range villain. It was a good performance. I understood him from beginning where he's like timid and feels the pressure of his father to being as powerful as he gets, being like, I'm going to take advantage of everything now. Yeah. I think he did a fantastic oh, job. Oh, he's wonderful. He is played by Peter Sarsgaard, mm-hmm. not to be confused with the Skarsgård family yeah like bill skarsgård and all them i actually had to double check it because i thought he was those are s-k-a skarsgård he Mm -hmm. is just sarsgård no k yeah i was like really that is just just be part of the family at this point just add that (laughs) k in call yourself part of the family move on (laughs) he's wonderful in this movie yeah um outside mark strong he's probably the best actor Mm mm-hmm in this particular movie, probably not yeah. the best actor overall, but in this movie. Yeah. He's absolutely wonderful as Hector Hammond. He has to go save him, which just brings me to another question. When Hector Hammond is destroying the guards and killing his father and Waller, why the hell does Green Lantern show up? How does he know what the hell's happening in that moment? He just randomly busts through the wall and is like, we got to fight. Mm. How did you know? I have no idea. Okay. Literally no idea. Unanswerable question. Yep. I'm I'm hoping somewhere there was a scene at some point that explained it that got cut. Because <laughs> it makes no sense whatsoever. It's <laughs> so stupid. So he, they get into a little fight. He beats the crap out of Hal here. And it's awesome. Yeah. He overpowers him in an instant. So the because, fact that he has him pinned on the floor and it's just like, I'm going to lay next to you and just taunt you. Yeah. And Hal tries to get up and he's like, I set it down and just pushes him back down real yeah. quick. So, so good. good. This is actually a really good scene. Yeah. CGI is not terrible in it. Mm-hmm. The acting is excellent from everyone involved. Good scene. Yeah. Really good scene. We needed more like it. We needed more Hector Hammond, period. Yes. So they fight a little bit. Hammond, I don't even remember what happens now. We literally just watched it for this pod. Uh, and Hal gets uh, the upper hand. Oh, and sends him flying. Yeah. Yeah. And then 
Hector goes and gets the girl and is like, hey, I'm going to turn her into me. And oh, yeah. I just meant how did Green Lantern get away in that moment? And I couldn't remember. But you're right. He gets the upper hand just for like a second because yeah. Parallax starts talking to Hammond mm. and Hammond loses focus. Lantern wins. But yes, Hammond goes and gets Carol. Mm-hmm. And it's like, I'm going to turn her into one of me, a disfigured telepath. Yeah. Come fight me. <laughs> <laughs> so Hal goes and fights him. But he fights him in a really clever way, I think. Because it's not brawn versus brains. It's brains versus brains in this yeah. movie, which I think is really interesting for a superhero movie. Because I love that he's like, you want my power? Take my ring. Here, go ahead, take it. I don't even want it. Just give me the girl. Take the ring and we're good. Mm-hmm. So he does. He gives him the ring, gets the girl, he's going to leave. And Hammond puts it on and he's like, I can't make it work. And Hal's like, that's because it didn't choose you. The ring flies back to him and he just smacks Hammond. He's yeah. like, I win. Like, Is that how he finishes it? Cause I'm drawing a blank. That's that's how the fight goes. I don't remember what he hits him with. Yeah. He sends him flying into a bunch of electrical stuff, computer oh. monitors and stuff, and it, it puts him down. And I'm pretty sure he uses a giant fist or something again to hit him okay um and that's how it ends because he does he gives him the ring and when he says it doesn't work it's like because it didn't choose you and the ring flies back to him and then he powers up and hits him Mm -hmm. and that ends it but at the same time he looks up and (gasps) parallax is here mind you i actually don't mind the cgi on parallax i have a question sure why is parallax a cloud you know reasons he's just the embodiment of fear i know but in the comics he's so much cooler he, like, takes the form of, like, a giant scorpion sometimes and stuff. Like, he actually looks like a full construct of something. He's not a giant cloud. Mm. How much cooler would this fight have been if he was an actual look like something? Mm, I don't actually think it would all be all that much more interesting. Because then I'd just be like, it's a space scorpion, I guess. Better than a space cloud. Yeah. A clouds aren't intimidating. They it is the same... when they have tendrils that come out with they... little, like, skeletons on them. They did the same thing with Galactus in the Fantastic Four movie, Rise of the Silver Surfer, where he was just a giant cloud, and it was, like, nothing scary about that. <laughs> I literally fly through clouds whenever I'm on an airplane. Nothing is scary. He could have just con- constructed a giant airplane and flew it right through him. Yeah. Something. Well, he kind of does. <laughs> Anything could have been better than a giant cloud. I guess. I just, I don't hate what I got. But there's nothing fear. So if he's the entity of fear, that's his power. Mm -hmm. Fear is why Hammond was so strong because he was afraid of everything. Yeah. So it powered him to no end. If he's the embodiment of fear, does a cloud really scream that? Uh, It's the unknown. It's a cloud. You can't see what's in there. And it's just. Rain? And it's unstoppable. Like it's, it won't just be stopped by like a building. It'll just come through. You can't stop it. You're defending this really hard. Yes. That thing would be scary. If you had a random cloud that was chasing you with like skeletons coming out of it. Listen, I have a dark cloud follow me around all the time. Doesn't bother me at all. Well, clearly it does because it's following you around. But it doesn't bother me. Uh Uh-huh. I just look up and I go, what's up, cloud? Yeah. It's not like attacking you and stealing the souls of other people. (laughs) And fair. That's fair. I don't know. I just, I don't get, I don't get why. Humans are afraid of anything, okay? That's very, very true. You win. I, <laughs> I agree the cloud is very scary now because humans are stupid and scared of everything. Yes. Space cloud. <laughs> <laughs> 
Better than Space Scorpion. So Parallax comes down and he's going to devour the whole planet. And he's going to start, obviously, with Hal Jordan's town. Mm -hmm. But the problem is, so he comes down and he, like, covers the entire city. Yeah. And before Hal drags him off to throw him into the sun. But if you ever look at the scene where Hal's dragging him away up into space, Mm -hmm. there's no destruction. Because He doesn't actually destroy anything. Do, do we see him actually destroying anything or is he just going after the people? It doesn't matter. It's a giant cloud hitting the earth. Like you want something visual for the audience to look at to see his power. There's nothing. The town looks exactly the same after he gets dragged into space. That's fair. It's, I don't know. I just expect some kind of destruction. Maybe he was getting to it. He wanted to, you know, eat his appetizer first. <laughs> One big problem I have with this final fight scene, because we are, we're at the end of the movie. Yeah. This is the final fight. Carol has too much to do in it. Hal doesn't have the ring on at some point, and Parallax is like, you're nothing without the ring. Because she currently has the ring. And so she, like, shoots missiles at Parallax, which distracts him so that Hal can get his ring and fight. Yeah, because um, Ham- Hector still has it at this point, and Parallax is like, I'm gonna eat all the fear out of you. Haha. Yeah. She just has too much to do. I'm like, well, how you are to you give not her running some- in fear? You had to give her something to do. Otherwise, it would have been really, really bad look. But why? Why have this love interest who just goes, oh no, and runs away? Who's constantly a damsel in distress. You did not set her up to be that at the beginning of the movie. Why would she be that now? Because it's a giant, you just said it yourself. It's a giant space cloud. You just said everybody would be afraid of it. And you know that your, what would be boyfriend is a superhero. But he doesn't have his power. Also, she doesn't have to like go out and, take a bat to the thing she has to go into a different room and use a computer it doesn't matter she does too much it doesn't make any sense you just said yourself that humans are scared of this thing and she should be running why is she not running because while humans can be scared they can also overcome fear she should not that's what makes humans powerful that's what makes green lanterns powerful it's not about having no fear it's about the ability to overcome your fear no wonder she gets a lantern at some point she doesn't get a lantern. I thought you got the purple she lantern. She space powers. It's, I said it's like a purple lantern. Oh. It's not an actual purple lantern. Oh. She just has powers like the lanterns. God, well, she attention. manages to get powers anyway, so clearly she's uh, capable. No, she's a villain at first. She oh. doesn't get the powers because she's good and, and receives them. She's a villain. <laughs> God damn, read some comics, woman. Nah. All right, that's fair. I wouldn't read Green Lantern comics either. <laughs> <laughs> They're not great. He... Pulls Parallax up into the sky and throws him into the sun. And he's like slowly drifting into the sun too. Because apparently when you're passed out, you still have the ability to not immediately be sucked into the sun. He was pretty far away, I guess. When he's training and Sinestro's like, this is the power of a sun. Or not Sinestro, Kilowog is like, this is the power of a sun. He was pretty dang close to that sun. It wasn't a full sun! This is a full sun. Yeah, he was uh, mimicking the gravity of a sun. He wasn't actually a sun. Obviously. You but know now what? he's next to a real sun. Dude should have been swallowed up in a second. You know what? Yeah. Space. <laughs> How does it work? The bigger you are, <laughs> the faster you burn. He's not that big. It's not about burning. It's about being sucked in. I know. But he gets saved at the very last second by Sinestro mm. and Kilowog and Tomar Ray. Mm. And that's it. Yeah, he saved the day. He is now a lantern and has a new job. And he's convinced all the other lanterns that 
all about that idea of it's not having no fear. It's overcoming your fear because he was scared. Yeah. Okay, great. Does that lead to Sinestro making his choice at the end? No. Sinestro has been a villain since day one. He's always thought the... So in the comic books, he's always... I I shouldn't say always. He is the top Green Lantern. Mm -hmm. He has power over all Green Lanterns. He is... If the Guardians ever die, Sinestro is basically going to lead the core himself. Like, that's how he is. Yeah. But then he starts to see the weakness in the Guardians. That they won't take action to save people. To do the right thing sometimes. Because according to them, some things must just happen. And we are not here to save everyone. And Sinestro is like, you weak sons of bitches. Yeah. And so he starts getting manipulated by another Lantern. And gets pulled to the dark side. Mm. Because even when he's yellow Sinestro, when he's guided by fear or guided by anger or whatever in the comics, he still always somewhat tries to do the right thing, but he will kill lanterns to do it. Yeah. That's what makes him a villain. Mm. So, no, I don't think this is what leads him. He's always been that way. I think that's why Mark Strong was such a good choice for it, because he has that edge to him in his voice of like, could definitely go evil if you want to. You're gonna to. kill somebody in like five seconds, aren't you? Probably. And it's probably gonna be Hal. And probably justified. Yeah. He wins the day. He goes back to Earth. He gets the girl. End of movie. End of movie. Until the post-credits. Yeah. Well, mid-credits. Where we see Sinestro, who has forged a yellow ring earlier in the movie. Mm-hmm. Because they were going to try to fight fear with fear. No, the saying is fight fire with fire. Mm-hmm. Is that like the dumbest saying ever? Yeah, probably. You can't put out a fire with more fire. Right. Hey, can you put out that campfire? Yeah, give me a second. Let me just make another fire to throw on top of that fire. Yeah, nah. Makes no sense. No. So to fight fear with fear makes no sense. Yeah. But he, that was the plan. So he forged this yellow ring and now he's done with the Green Lanterns because they were not willing to do what they had to do to win. Mm Mm-hmm. And he puts on the yellow ring and he turns into yellow Sinestro. He's the bad guy. Such a such a dumb sequel bait. Well, perfect sequel bait when you consider the comics. Well, yeah, perfect sequel bait, but like also dumb because at there was nothing that led him to do it at the end of this movie. Nothing should have driven him to that point. Uh, I mean, a little bit with just how every the Guardians kept pushing off. Like he said, let me go take some of my best men. And destroy Parallax. And they were like, no, no, no. We have to discuss things. But then they do anyway. So clearly he got permission. Did he get permission or did he just do it? That's fair. (laughs) That's always the hard part. I mean, he got permission from them to make the ring. So... But you could always tell there was like an edge to him of like, he doesn't actually want to be part of the Lanterns. He He wants to lead the Lanterns more than be a part of them. That's fair. So I think that's kind of what it was. And that's it. That's the end of the movie. Here's some two things that I found for some more background. So according to one insider on the movie whose name was never revealed, the film was hindered entirely by studio interference. So according to this person, Martin Campbell's cut of the film is not what got released. So it's almost like we should get another hashtag release the Campbell cut. Mm -hmm. According to him... Studio sacrificed a lot of character development to add more CGI scenes. Ooh, okay. And they removed a lot of setup scenes so that some of the scenes we talked about with like, why is this here? 
it's because the studio removed the setup to them. Mm. So it just kind of was like, put that scene in there because we like that scene. We don't care about this other part. So the studio kind of chopped it up a whole bunch. The 10 minutes, there was uh, 10 minutes of childhood Hal, Carol, and Hector, who also grew up with them. Yeah. That they got rid of and just used it for a quick flashback in the middle of something else. It was supposed to be like a 10 minute sequence to really show their dynamic and why Hector feels like such an outsider and set up his character even more. Okay. Studio got rid of it. They also changed up the entire ending to make Hal more heroic. So the ending was originally supposed to be that Kilowog, Sinestro, and Tomare arrive and help Hal defeat Parallax, not just show up at the last second to save him. Mm. But they cut all the scenes out of the other people helping, so it looked like Hal did it all by himself and was only rescued at the last second. So apparently it, it was very, very different. I think we need to have that Campbell cut. Also, they added in that narration at the beginning that we hate. That was a uh, studio decision. Okay, Warner Brothers needs to not meddle because they make some really dumb decisions. I don't know I don't know who was at the top of the studio at the time, but yeah, dumb decisions. I've never watched the Blu-ray of this movie. I think I own it. I might I pop so. it in to see what kind of deleted scenes and stuff are on there. I probably should have done it before this, but we watched the movie before I started doing research into the movie for the pod, and I didn't know about all this stuff. Mm -hmm. But I definitely want to go check it out now to see if it's all on there. It's very interesting. Another fun thing I found is Ryan Reynolds absolutely hates this movie. Mm -hmm. He's talked about it numerous times. He hated making it. He fought with the director all the time. He thought the movie turned out really poorly based on everything, all the, the dailies that he saw. He was really glad to see it fail because he didn't want to play Hal again. And he felt like if it succeeded, they'd force him to do it. Yeah. You know, we talked about Deadpool. In there, he references Green Lantern. Don't make my suit CGI, blah, blah, mm -hmm. blah. And then in the second Deadpool, he even goes back in time to kill Ryan Reynolds before he can take the role. Yeah. That's how much he hated mm -hmm. Green Lantern. In 2021, he sat down and on Twitter said, all right, I'm going to sit down with a bottle of aviation gin, the gin company that he owns. Yeah. And for the first time in my life, I'm going to watch Green Lantern and I will tweet about it as I watch it. Okay. And it's really funny. There's some great tweets, but his final tweet, and I don't believe this is his first time watching it. I'm pretty sure he's probably watched it at some point. Just doesn't remember. Mm. But his final tweet said this, quote, maybe it's the aviation gin talking, but Green Lantern was nothing to fear. Hundreds of incredible crew and cast members did amazing work. And while it's not perfect, it ain't a tragedy. Next time, I won't wait a decade to watch it. He approved it. He watched it and he approves of it. Yeah. Well, it's not terrible, but it's not good right. He's not like it's the best movie, but it's not a huge piece of garbage either. And I thought that was really interesting. Mm -hmm. After all those years of how much he hated this movie and talked so much shit about it, to finally sit down and watch it and tweet through it. And he talks about how like, how the hell did we get such an all-star cast? We have Oscar nominees in here. We have Oscar winners. People who just are some of the biggest names in movies of all time are in this movie. How did we do that? <laughs> and how did it fail? And how did it fail? Correct. I just think that's interesting. And I think that's a good tweet to have for why we're covering this movie. Mm -hmm. Because if the star who hated it for a decade can come out and go, maybe it's not as bad as I thought. Maybe it's worth a revisit. Mm -hmm. Let's go into nits. Yeah. Hal picks swords to fight Sinestro. He so would have picked a gun. Why in the f does Hal create a sword? 
He's not a sword master. Mm. He, he's not a pirate. He doesn't know how to wield that thing. Parallax being a fucking cloud, we already talked about. <laughs> um, his flying at the beginning should have been more important to the story. Probably, yeah. Hal Jordan isn't played by Nathan Fillion. Yeah. And Parallax causes very little destruction throughout his journey. Yes, we never does. see it, so I don't think Parallax is a threat because we never see his destruction. Those are my nits. Mine are kind of in the form of questions, but they're mostly nits. Why does the government tend to pick cocky a-holes for their fighter pilots? I think you have to be a cocky a-hole to be a fighter pilot. Okay. How was there no news uh, about the alien crash? A government cover-up. It was. It had crashed a while before Hal even got to it. You don't think any locals would have been like, dang, do you no, see he's... this? Like, there's even people taking video of Green Lantern on their phones. Yeah, but he's he's like in the middle of a swamp. Eh. And Hal gets to him right away because the ring comes and finds him right away. Eh. Why does Carol's balcony turn green before... Hal shows up. The power of his light. He's super green and then backs away and then he comes where it's slightly green again. He was, he had a flashlight. (laughs) He had to see where he was going. So he was using the ring as a flashlight. Where am I going? (laughs) All right. We can go into questions. Okay. That was all you had? Those were my nits that I hadn't talked about. Questions. Was this whole movie a dream because Hal actually crashed at the beginning and died? So it's like. It's like a. Losing oxygen kind of yeah. thing, because he definitely took his mask off when he yeah. probably shouldn't have. Yeah. So it's just a dream. None of this actually happened, and that's why there's not a sequel. Did this movie frighten super the superhero genre into backing away from special effects, using practical effects when they could? So like suits and everything like that? No, I think it was a lesson of don't ever do it. <laughs> but I don't think it scared them away. Yeah. When he is driving at the beginning to go to his flight test. Mm-hmm. He wraps a present while he's driving in newspaper and a bunch of tape. And that's for the birthday party he's going to go to for his nephew. Yeah. Birthday party doesn't happen until after the flight test where he has plenty of time to actually like wrap the present. Mm-hmm. Why does he wrap it on his way to, show my- to, to the show, flight? To show how much of an a-hole he is. It just doesn't make any sense. You almost I get into an presents. accident and for no reason. Yeah, but he could have just been almost getting into an accident because he's driving 100 miles an hour because he's late for his test. Yeah. We didn't need the present wrapping. Yeah. Would the fear energy have attached to anyone or just Hector? I think it's kind of like the green. So in the comics, it's kind of like the Green Lantern thing. Like you kind of have to be chosen. It has to feel the fear in you Mm. and it has to feel enough fear to attach to you. You know, what's really funny. The main person that the fear entity has attached to in the comics, Mm -hmm. Hal Jordan, (laughs) attaches to him constantly. Unbelievable (laughs) how often it happens. (laughs) But I, it has to feel that amount of fear. It has to feel the right amount of fear to attach to you. So I think it could have attached to other people, but it didn't attach to anybody but Hector because of how much fear he had. Okay. Why does the fear energy disfigure Hector? <sighs> no idea. No clue. It just confused me. Like, it had to make him look like Parallax, but why? Yep. Good question. <laughs> Unanswerable. Yes. Yeah, they just really wanted to do some weird special effects on him, too. Absolutely. All right. Memorabilia from this movie? Uh, I think I want that, like, glass fighter pilot or fighter plane that he gives his nephew. Ah, okay. It was really neat looking. It is really neat looking. I want the one piece of not CGI in this entire damn movie. It's the dead body of Abensur. 
when he's getting autopsied, that was an actual life-size model that was made. I realized I probably should have gone with the ring. I would have went with the ring and the lantern, but they jacked up the look of the lantern so bad. It is the ugliest piece of shit I've ever seen in my entire life. I do not want it. But the ring? Maybe. Okay. The ring just wouldn't fit me, so. We don't really get a good close-up of the ring ever to see, like, how cool it looks. You get a few of them. Not really. Yeah. Only when it's, like, glowing and stuff. I just want, like, a shot of the ring to know what it looked like. What if you get it and it could glow? I mean, I can buy that at the store right now. That's fair. Would you want to see this as a miniseries? Sure. Do you think it works better as a miniseries? Probably. You could actually get him training, get him having little battles here and there, and then lead up into Parallax. Like, I think those two final battles happen a little too close together for it to be cohesive. What comes next? Uh, you know, he tries to have a relationship with Carol. That totally falls apart because he's off world too much trying to help with the lanterns. And, uh, he becomes a severe loner. Okay. Maybe catches up with the Justice League eventually, when they okay. finally get their act together. Okay. My answer is very simple. Hmm. Hal Jordan dies and we get Jon Stewart. <laughs> because he's the better Green Lantern anyway. Aww. As always, the first award is our psycho shower scene for your favorite scene in the movie. Mine is the very small section of training with Kilowog. That is such a good one. It's just fun. Kilowog's such a cool presence. Michael Clark Duncan as the voice is just spot on. He just is intimidating, but like lovable at the same time. And And it's just fun. And you get to see a lot more of the constructs that they make, which is what makes that character so cool. Exactly. And we don't get enough of that in the movie. Correct. So it's just that small part of the training. I don't care about the training with Sinestro, just the Kilowog. Mine is Carol recognizing Hal. I honestly, (laughs) because I forgot this part existed in the movie when I rewatched it, and it cracked me up all over again, being like, yes, finally someone's saying that they can recognize someone because it's just a tiny little bit of their cheekbones. Why shouldn't I be able to recognize you? It it was such a refreshing moment (laughs) in a very basic story. Next up is the Life uh, Finds a Way Award. Life uh, finds a way. For your favorite line in the movie, go first. I I had to go with the oath. Oh, yeah, I went with the oath, too. Okay, so... Brightest day, blackest night, no evil shall escape my sight. Let those who worship evil's might beware my power. Yeah. It's great. It's now, so wait, good. Wait, 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 wait. Yeah. Question. Mm-hmm. Which one did you choose? He says the oath twice in the movie. Did you choose the first one where he's sitting on the couch? Or did you choose the ending one where he's fighting Parallax? I like the second one better. Um, oh, good, because but... I like the first one better. Uh, next award is the Prestige Award. Every magic trick has a third act. The hardest part. The part we call the prestige. For the biggest WTF moment in the movie, I have one answer, and it's only one answer. And if you have a different answer, you're wrong. Hmm. It's the CGI suit. It's the it's the idea to make his entire suit CGI. It is the dumbest decision in the history of film. An over-exaggeration, but it's up there. <laughs> 
It makes no sense. It looks awful. And it's like, oh, well, we wanted it to just be a construct and then we can have lights moving. I have seen a ton of cool outfits that have lights moving. Mm -hmm. Your costume department absolutely could have made this. I have a different answer. You're wrong. Mainly because that answer kind of gets a different award of mine. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) My answer for this one is, is Hector getting mutated? The fact that he has to get this bulbous head because of this power was so dumb. The next award is the Han Shot First Award. Please, the Kringo. Yeah, Oscar. Yes, I bet you have. For what held up the worst since this movie came out, I have a feeling I already know your answer, so go ahead. The CGI. Just in general, but mainly the suit. It's all terrible. It looks so rubbery and just so wrong, and they really didn't need to do as much CGI as they did. They could have done a lot more practically and it would have worked so much better. Just have the constructs be CGI because those look actually okay. They looked all right. That's why I said okay. I wouldn't even say okay. They looked <laughs> all right. They looked fine. Uh, yeah, I also went with the CGI. Mm-hmm. It's bad. It's so bad. But the worst part for me, Owa looks bad, but not like the worst thing I've ever seen. It's that opening flying through space mm-hmm. that just kills me yeah and that's the first thing you see in this movie and it sets you up for just a poor such movie a to bad come. precedent yeah. yeah puts a bad taste in your mouth just watching that opening scene mm-hmm. and our last award is the paul rudd award i'm paul rudd and i adapt for what held up the best since this movie came out for me and i would love to see him come back mark strong as sinestro i'm actually going to agree with you Oh, that was your award too? Yes. Oh, wow. Wow, we uh, agreed on a lot of awards on this movie. (laughs) He is honestly the best thing about this movie, and he could be Sinestro again. I would love to see him be a Sinestro. Yeah, so they're changing up the whole DC thing. We're getting a Lantern Corps TV show. Mm -hmm. Put Mark Strong back as Sinestro. Yeah. But, like, don't make him CGI this time. Put some makeup on him. Mm -hmm. Put some prosthetics. And let that man cook. Mm -hmm. Because he is such a good actor who deserves more. All right, that's it for us on this episode, all about 2011's Green Lantern. No, it's not, because we didn't even decide yet. I mean, do we even need to say it? Yeah, go ahead. It doesn't hold up. Okay. It <laughs> As much as I wanted it to, it's not as bad as everyone says it is. I will give it that. But it's paced poorly. It is so predictable. It's just, eh. I'm going to agree with you, but part of me doesn't want to. Yeah. Because I do think this movie is better than you remember mm-hmm. and definitely deserves a rewatch. I would love to see somebody take this movie and chop it up to be more coherent. Yeah. Give it a re-edit to be more coherent. Get rid of the beginning. Get rid of some of the flashback stuff. Cut 20 minutes out of this movie. And I think it's a damn good movie. There's Probably just a lot be- that bogs it down. Yeah. Now that's it for us here yes. on Green Lantern's 2000. 2000- 2011's Green Lantern. I am all over the place today (laughs) in this pod. Uh, So I'm just going to end it there. Until next time, just remember you're a legend. So be good to yourself. More importantly, always be kind to others and keep watching movies. Bye. Bye.